Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us. This is Are These Books Drunk? I hope they're going to get drunk, girl. Let me tell you. Yeah, today I could use it. I mean, the book. The book could use it. <laughs> I'm Brandy. I'm Emma. And Mommy Mariana is busy being a mom. Yeah, she and Loretta are having their own little happy hour today. <laughs> <laughs> but she's hopefully going to join us later this episode. Yeah, Fingers yeah. crossed. But in the meantime, this is your book club with a twist. And we are your happy hour girlfriends. Woo, woo, woo. This month, we're reading a heart-wrenching true tale, Live Your Life, My Story of Loving and Losing Nick Cordero by the incredibly resilient Amanda Klutz with her sister, Anna Klutz. I'm not sure how I'm going to get through talking about these heartbreaking yet moving chapters. I know. But before we do, last week we spoke about our favorite parts of our city, the one we love to hate and hate to love. That's New York. (laughs) (laughs) Where we would be if COVID never happened and how long we would want our husbands to grieve before finding a new partner in life. Super light stuff. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Emma, do we have something light and sweet to drink today? We got something kind of sweet, not very light, but I got something for you. Today's cocktail could give you a good old smack on the arse if you find yourself nodding off during our conversation. How (gasps) dare you? But you wouldn't. (laughs) Today's cocktail pairing is called Wake Up Nick. As you might imagine, (laughs) it is a coffee-based cocktail with some extra love and caffeine mixed in and added on top. I feel like I need one of these every day to keep me going. For real. It is still incredibly early in our happy hour together, but in case you need it today, wake up! Wake up! Wake up! (laughs) (laughs) I've already been sipping it, so I'm... I'm awake. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Our bartender is here to share the recipe. Come on in, Ricardo, and wake up Woo! these hosts and listeners. Ricardo. Woo-woo. Ciao, Brandy. Welcome to the bar. Hi, it's just me again. I know. I'm going to wake you up. I hope you've got something to cheer me up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to wake you up. Please. For this cocktail, we are going to need very few ingredients. It's That's more perfect. in the process. Love it. So this cocktail is called Wake Up Nick. And yeah. it's going to be a very strong caffeinated drink. I highly recommend. I know that maybe the majority of you don't have a mocha. But I highly recommend to use espresso espresso for this ah, drink instead okay. of like French press coffee because it's very it. diluted. If you don't have it and you have a coffee machine like an espresso or something similar, you can use that one. Uh, it's already a pretty foamy uh, coffee. Yeah. And we're gonna need two shots of espresso and two ounces of Kahlua. In my version, I'm gonna use uh, vegan whipped cream, but you can use regular whipped cream or you can actually use the heavy cream and put it into the shaker and shake it to have a more diluted version instead of having the thick layer. Like a creamier. Yes. Yes. Interesting. That sounds good. So for the process, the process is pretty easy. Uh, Let's wait that the coffee is not boiling or uh, 
at least room temperature and yeah. we add the two ounces of Kahlua and we put it into the shaker with ice and we shake it. Kahlua and coffee are already a good mix in terms of a create a nice frothy texture uh -huh. but if you decide to don't go with the whipped cream we need to, to add the heavy cream and it's gonna be an ounce of heavy cream inside the shaker. If okay. you decide that you want a thicker layer to because it's even easier to decorate on top uh, with the whipped cream, we don't put anything else in the in the shaker and we just whip the cream on top of the cocktail and we shake and strain up and we decorate with a little bit of grated chocolate on top of the cream. Yum! And this is more dessert than a cocktail, but it's, it's delicious. It's very appropriate for the season too. So it's already super sweet. I wouldn't recommend to add any I think it's perfect. simple yeah. syrup. If you really like sweetness, go and add an ounce of simple syrup or half of an ounce. But I think that the commission of uh, the Kahlua and the cream, it's already a pretty strong sweetener. Yeah, so, definitely. Alla tua salute, Brandy, and wake up. Thank you. <laughs> Bye, Ciao, Brandy. All right, women. Cheers. I'm awake. <laughs> <laughs> it is like instant awake, but it's so, it's so yummy. I mean, whipped cream is so decadent always to me. You know what I mean? So to put it on top of coffee is just like, ugh. Well, especially because we did the vegan one. So we did the, we frothed up some like coconut creamer. And so it just Ooh. has like a little like, mm, it's like a little coconut, like a touch of coconut. I love that. I made my own whipped cream too, but I didn't make vegan. You're so fancy. How did you do it? You just whipped you're cream? You're so fancy. You made it too. I just happened to have heavy cream, I think, from our last cocktail. Didn't we oh. use some? Yeah, recently. Yeah. yeah, I had heavy cream, so I just whipped some up real quick. Oh, look how um, fancy you are. You know, whatever. Whatevs. Did you do the shaved chocolate on top? No, because I didn't have any chocolate. I only had Snickers left over from Halloween. Mm. But I guess I could have shaved that on top. That would be I really good in this cocktail. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mix it all in there. <laughs> you take a sip and you're like, mm, what's this chunk in there? That would really wake me up. A chunk in my coffee? Mm. <laughs> Wait, Brandy, we're over here sipping coffee, but... Look who's over here. Ooh, she's back. Yeah, just, um, hey. <laughs> What's up? Hi. How is your happy hour? It's, uh, it's happening. <laughs> How is your happy hour? It's caffeinated. We're We're, yeah, we've got a caffeinated happy hour over here. Nice. I got my sparkling seltzer over here. Okay. Mm. That works. Working mom. Working mom yeah. over here. This is what we do. All right. Should we get into these chapters? <sighs> yeah. Yes, please. This week, we learn a lot more about Amanda's faith and about how Elvis came into the world. As it turns out, Nick is the second man in her life to end up in the ICU. Amanda harnesses the power of Instagram with a new 3 p.m. song and dance party movement to hashtag Wake Up Nick that eventually leads to people all around the world singing and dancing to Nick's song, Live Your Life. She made him a rock star after all. 
Complications from his treatment make it necessary to amputate Nick's leg, but since she has to sign a consent form, it also means that she's finally, finally allowed to see him, something that will continue to plague her throughout these chapters as sometimes she's allowed and sometimes she isn't because of the hospital's shifting COVID policies. But whether in person or on FaceTime, she repeats her script to him of who he is, who their family is, and that he needs to wake up from this now worrisome coma. Her youngest sister and best friend Anna makes the trek out to L.A. to join brother Todd in supporting Amanda, bringing some much-needed joy with her. Amanda leans heavily on her faith and community to keep her going. But as this week's chapters end, she learns the heartbreaking news that even if Nick does wake up from his coma, he will likely be in a wheelchair because of the amputation. He may not be able to move his arms normally because of the strokes he's suffered, may not be able to speak or chew normally, may not be able to move the right side of his body, and will forever need an oxygen tank because of the holes in his lungs. Even if Nick does wake up, he will never live a normal life. Oh, oh. my God. I don't even that know was how really start heavy this episode. I know. Yeah, I mean, where we left off this week was pretty pretty horrific when the doctor said to her that the holes in his lungs were like he had been smoking cigarettes for like oh my how God. long did you say like yeah a crazy number of years yeah or something. like and 10 packs a, a day or something yeah 10 packs a yeah. day I can't I can't even imagine I can't like I keep on saying that and that's what I said last week but one thing is to deal with all of this and know that <laughs> your partner's in the hospital that you don't know when you can actually hold his hand if ever again and then also have a child back at home. Mm. I know. Needing you. This, Amanda, like after reading these last chapters, I, she is, since somebody wrote it in, in, there's a quote in the back of the book. I don't know if it was Sarah Michelle Geller or one of them that she highlighted that she's like our time's hero. Mm. Because a woman that can deal with all of this through, and going through COVID at the same time is, is a hero. And try to build her own business. Yeah. So many people did this. So many people, know. you know, how many right. people have died of COVID worldwide now? Right. So many people are in this kind of like, I feel like sisterhood with her of having dealt with the ravages of this virus. Mm. Yeah. And became single parents because of it. Mm. When you said hold his hand, did you, did either of you look at the photos yeah. Yes. Oh my oh. the photo of her and Elvis holding his hand. I know we haven't like gotten there in the book, but because the photos were there in the reading, so I looked at them right. all. Of course. That was the one that really like put me over the edge. I realized so, I just can't read this book in public. <laughs> Every time yeah. I've been reading it, I've had to be out of the house and I'm like, mm. I gotta put my sunglasses on. Oh, you're like sunglasses on and then mask on bottom so that just nobody can see your face <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's hard. Yeah, that photo really got me too, especially since right underneath it, I think, is the photo of Nick's family holding His their dad's dad. hand right before he passes. And the just the pairing of those two pictures together was like, oh, yeah. just heartbreaking. Having a two-month-old right now, this is... <laughs> This has been quite a doozy having to read this book while while um, having oh, a two month old. God, I've been and thinking I'm about sure. you a lot. Yeah, thinking about 
there's so many wishes and hopes and dreams of when you and your partner have a child and bring a child into this world and that you want to protect this child and you want to do it together. I kept thinking mm. of, yeah. you know, that's you conceived the baby and now the baby comes into the world and you want to do everything together and never leave the baby's sight because you want to just enjoy every single day of that baby's life. And that she had to be pulled away from that. And that Nick never got to experience that after, I think it was four months of the baby's life. I'm not exactly sure the timeline of when he was 10, actually, no, 10 months when she was going back and forth from the hospital. So Elvis wasn't even a year old. No. It blows my mind. It blows my mind. And I know there there are a lot of single, like Emma just mentioned, a lot of single parents out there or that have become single parents. And it's already a feat of its own. But knowing that COVID did this to their family, I I can't. I can't. I was thinking about you so much too, Mariana, in these chapters when she talks about giving birth to Elvis. Yeah. What was that like for you reading about that so soon after you just gave birth? Mm. Well, first of all, this woman is, again, so courageous. And so I am so impressed by her because of how honest she was about the difficulties that she had through labor and that she just didn't wrap it up in a in a bow by saying like it was a a wonderful experience even though I had to go through 56 hours of labor or 54 Mm, hours of labor which is insanity Mm -hmm. I I could relate to her so much and it so resonated with me because what happens is that the aftermath of giving birth you have this beautiful child in your arms so it's really hard to think back of how dangerous labor can be of how hard Mm. labor is the reality of how (laughs) there's no other way to put it but it's it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life and the Mm. scariest thing I've ever done in my life Mm -hmm. yeah like I had an emergency c-section that wasn't planned and you just have to go with the flow and hope for the best and know that you're doing everything possible to bring this child to life healthy and safe she said Mm -hmm. that that's all she wanted Mm -hmm. for Elvis to be safe and healthy Mm -hmm. and that's exactly I wanted what I wanted for Lorette but to go through a c-section unplanned c-section unplanned right yeah it's the scariest thing I've ever been through and the healing process afterwards is is no joke Thanks for your vulnerability in sharing that because I know that that's hard to talk about also because it makes you relive like the emotional journey of what that was. It was terrifying. We're glad you both are okay. And now look at her. She's sleeping like an angel. (laughs) Well, something I want to commend you on, Mariana, has been your bravery in asking for help and speaking up about like what you need and what's helpful Mm. and like letting people because it's hard to let people be there for you um and that was I felt the same in reading Amanda's journey through you know through the same thing of yeah how hard it is to ask for help especially when you're such like a strong like powerhouse and and you're so focused on just getting through but like that having having Elvis also helps to be able to to ask for those things. Yeah. And that was actually, that was the first time I found myself getting really emotional reading these chapters was when she was going into detail about the way that people were pulling through for her and (laughs) sending the videos Mm -hmm. and the meal train and like all of the deliveries that she got. It really just makes you realize how 
important having a community is. And what right. was so crazy about her instance is that she has her community, but then there were all these strangers that she's never even met yeah. doing all of these things. I just, yeah. I'm so overwhelmed by that emotion of what that must feel like. And and that really highlights how strong she is because it does take a lot of strength to ask for help. And once you do, you're surprised by how willing people are t- to help. Mm-hmm. But it takes a lot of strength to be vulnerable, to open up, to actually talk about the reality of a situation because we tend to cover and hide what's actually happening to be perceived in a light where things are fine. Mm-hmm. And they may not be. But yeah. then you do find people around you that might have gone through the same thing. Right. Or just can be empathetic and really show that. And then you have what you just said, Emma, a sense of community that you never even thought you would have. It's interesting, too, because I remember in the first chapters, that the first section that we read of this book, she talks about how she was able to kind of start doing her workouts again on Instagram Live and stuff because she was like, you know, all of the perfection just went out the window. Like COVID just got rid of Mm -hmm. all of that shit. It was just like, do it from where you are, wherever that is, like nothing's going to be perfect right now. Mm -hmm. And in a way, everything you just said mirrors that too, that need to put up that facade that everything is okay. All of that shit just went out the window because the world, the whole world was not okay. Yeah. Right. And also when you're saying about her starting her fitness videos again, the importance of movement, because I also have realized after being out of commission and then having to come back, Movement is essential for all of us. Mm -hmm. And then we Mm -hmm. tend to forget, and she even made a note of this, of how grateful she was knowing that Nick could potentially not be able to move again, coming out like he might be in a wheelchair. He would only have one leg if he were to wake up. If that doesn't inspire you to move your body. Yeah. Yeah. Release those endorphins and just feel like you, you can do this. You can do anything. Yeah. yeah, like we owe it to ourselves. If we have a functioning, healthy body, like take care of it. Yeah. Right. And move that stagnant energy. Oh, yeah, that got me. I took from that also like beyond just like moving physically to me, it was also just a huge call to action to just like try to be joyful and like yes. live, like really live your life every single day because laying in that bed is a guy who would love to be doing that mm. and all around the world there were people in beds who would love to be doing that with their loved ones and couldn't and some of them never did again right you know I've been thinking a lot in reading this we've had discussions in previous episodes like pretty good and long conversations about everything happens for a reason Mm. And when I read stories like this, it really makes me ruminate on that because I feel it's so hard to think about, like, how losing Nick, what was the reasoning for that? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's the, like, God, I wish that had never happened. But I'm also so inspired by how Amanda has changed her life and not just her life, but the lives of so many others through that loss. And again, you know, she says that she's always looking for silver linings and I wish to God this had never happened to her, but it is really powerful how she has been able to spin it into making joy and, and sparking positivity and 
optimism for others, I think, is such a gift that she is now able to give that that kind yeah. of is like moving through her for everyone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. One other thing that I f- took away from these chapters is the importance of family. Oh, like I found man. her bond with Todd and Anna. Oh, yes. So beautiful. Mm. Knowing what Todd and Anna went through to get to her and how God. they were pretty much there. They were everything for her and Elvis. Like she needed them more than ever. Yeah. And they were right there. They put everything else aside. Yeah, they were still trying to do their own jobs. And they even, Todd left his family. Anna left know, her, like, her new life. That. Which is crazy, but they wanted to do it because they needed to be there for their sister. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I found that to be, like, that whole, one of my favorite movies growing up was Three Men and Three Men and a Little Baby. Oh, really? Yeah. So when she made that reference and then that they created that whole poster and then they redid the rap to put Elvis <laughs> to sleep, I was like, this is the epitome of, so cute. you know, siblinghood. Like, it's, it was beautiful changing gears a little bit this week we also got more insight into amanda's deep connection to her christian upbringing and her ongoing practice of religion and also learned that nick didn't share the same beliefs and didn't consider Mm. himself a religious person yeah this has been a very interesting topic of discussion between ricardo and i since we met but has since deepened since we got married since i'm jewish and would like to raise our kids in judaism and he's agnostic Wow, I want to hear more about that conversation. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> wow. I won't bring him in for that one. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think the three of us have ever talked about how religion does or doesn't play a role in our lives. And forgive me if we mm. have and I've forgotten it. But more specifically, if you and your partners or your families share the same beliefs and if that has ever been a point of contention or simply discussion. So... This is me asking. Well, <laughs> Andrew and I are both Catholic. So I was that, that conversation of how we're going to raise I Lorette don't think I is... knew that about you. Oh, yeah. you didn't? Really? I don't, like, like a practicing Catholic? Well, no. I mean, we're Catholic and we... Okay, got it. So uh, Andrew went to uh, all-boys Catholic high school. So, oh, I didn't know yeah. that. Wow, and we okay. both went to Fordham University, was a, with, which is a Jesuit university. Oh, it is? Hmm. Yes. Oh, I so didn't know So theology and religion is part I didn't of, know that. you know, the courses that you have to take. It's a requirement. Oh, wow. It's a requirement for everyone? Yeah. I, I did not no know that. Theology is. Not necessarily like, but yeah. Both so Fordham's? Did, both Fordham campuses? Both. Interesting. And I wow. didn't go because of that neither did andrew because they have an amazing business school in the rose hill campus and because i was part of the bfa program Mm -hmm. so i didn't mind it because it continued with more or less my upbringing even Mm -hmm. though i would attend church with my mom not necessarily my dad but i did my baptism i did my communion i did my confirmation andrew and i got married in the catholic church well the only catholic church in key west but we had to do our pre-cana which is the course that you have to take prior to going and getting married in the church. So we had to do all that, but we don't go to church every Saturday. I mean, every Sunday. You don't even know what day to go. (laughs) (laughs) You're showing up on the wrong day, girl. (laughs) She comes on a Tuesday. Any day of the week, whatever. But both of us do have a belief in 
in something greater than us and we do believe in prayer and you know there's mm. there's there's a belief there yeah. if it's not not that we practice it on a daily but that's how we were raised and i think that we're going to instill that in Lorette but once she becomes old enough to decide what she wants to do she can go ahead and decide mm-hmm. yeah that's great thanks yeah. Well, Jason and I are both pretty much completely unreligious. I think Jason would probably consider himself an atheist. Mm-hmm. I'm probably, I, yeah, I guess I probably am too. I don't label myself that way. But like, yeah, I don't believe like in like a God being. And I wasn't, it's weird. I wasn't raised to be religious at all. My mom almost veered on being anti-religious. Huh. But weirdly, and I know you two know this, she's like a little religious now. And that's really weird to me. I yeah. Don't, I, that's so interesting. It, honestly, it makes me really uncomfortable coming from her. She'll say like, thank God and stuff. And, but she really means it. She's not saying it just like somebody saying thank God. She means like, oh, thank you, God. Like that kind of God stuff. God with a capital G. Yeah. And it just freaks me out coming from her. But it's interesting, you know, hearing you talk about prayer and stuff, Mariana, because Like, I don't believe in praying to a being. Like, I don't do that. But, like, I definitely, like, visualize and, like, talk positive, you know, try to speak positive things into my future and stuff. Which, in some ways, I feel like is kind of the same thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's sort of the same, even though it's not. You think, like, manifestation. Like, manifestation has, like, a religious. I don't think it's religious. I just think that praying and manifesting things are kind of the same thing. Even if some one person is praying to a deity and one person isn't, you're both trying to bring something It has a spiritual into being. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. I can totally see that. And and Loretta agrees if you just heard that. <laughs> yeah. I heard it. She was like, I'm with the Brandy on that yeah. one. Thanks, girl. Thanks yep. for the backup. Is she sipping this this uh, <laughs> coffee cocktail that we're having? She's sipping the wake-up Nick? <laughs> I think she probably is because she does not want to Did nap today. So. I don't want to go to sleep. Nope. <laughs> nope. Um, Emma, I want to hear more about you, about I your know. question. It's just, um, it's just a, it, I'm not going to say it's a big topic of discussion because it doesn't come up often, but when it does... You know, it's it's something that raises a lot of questions between the two of us. And sometimes I'm like, okay, I've had enough of this conversation for today. Let's let's uh, yeah. let's come back to this because it can. You know, I've been very vocal with him, as I have with all of my previous partners, that it's important to me to raise my kids Jewish. So like. We had that conversation very early on because you both know, I think, on our, like, first date, I was like, I want kids. Yeah. Just to be like, I'm not fucking around. Right. Um, And so then shortly after that, it was, I want to raise my kids Jewish. Are you going to be okay with that? But similarly to you, Mariana, like, I want to raise my kids in Judaism. And then if at some point when they're old enough and they decide that they don't want that, I'm not going to force it on them. But... I would, I do really envision my family going to temple together for the high holy days. Like, I have really mm. fond memories of that from when I was young. Even though I didn't even really like going to temple for them, I'm grateful that I did. And now I love going to services and I would love to be able to go with my kids and my husband. And so that has mm. been also an interesting thing Is to navigate with him. Is that something that he him. would do with you? Is he open to that kind of thing? He has been 
to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur services with me. And he said that he will go back with me for Rosh Hashanah, but would prefer to stay out of Yom Kippur, (laughs) which I understand because Yom Kippur is very... There's a lot more emotion tacked on to that one. Oh, wow. It's uh, it's intense. The services are intense. And so I understand for someone that doesn't believe in that, how he, how you wouldn't want to be a part of that. Yeah. But, you know, he lights the menorah with me every night of Hanukkah. And Aww. he learned the prayers. And so when we were doing... FaceTiming with my parents every Friday for Shabbat during quarantine, he learned those prayers. So he can do that. Wow. So even if it doesn't mean anything to him, it still means a lot to me that he is willing to, like, recite them. So he's not just kind of there. You know, my mom is Catholic and my dad is Jewish. And so my mom – it's kind of like the reverse of that. You know, my mom learned all of the prayers. And while it doesn't have, like, a religious meaning to her, she she can participate. And that always felt really nice growing up that she didn't just feel like she was standing on the outside. Yeah, you're doing it as a family unit. Yeah. Still. The the most interesting part of all of this now is the discussion of if we have a son, the circumcision versus the non-circumcision. Oh. And I hope this isn't weird that I'm like talking about this on the podcast. But, (laughs) you know, Europeans don't circumcise. Uh Uh-huh. And so he is very anti that. And in Judaism, there's like a whole fucking thing. You have a bris after eight days. There's like a, right. like an entire service, you know. It's like a, it's a whole thing. And yeah. so that's been an interesting question for me to ask myself. Like, is it actually important, you know, like you can still be Jewish and not – I can't believe we're talking about circumcision now. This is, this is where we are. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's 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 bringing up a lot of questions for me. Yeah, as well about like what 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 am I clinging on to because that's what I'm told you're supposed to do. First, right. what do I I actually care about? You right. know, like from a personal perspective. But I think that's really amazing because what it means is that you guys will carve out hopefully whatever is right for the two of you. That meets in the middle. Yeah, that's what we're things. that's what we're figuring out, like what that looks like. Yeah. What are we both willing to how far are we able to push it and what are we comfortable with? Right. And you're having and that you're having that conversation early on instead of being surprised when the child comes along right. and then stressing over the fact that you are kind of limited in time to decide like how are you gonna follow through what you're gonna do. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, that's where we land. <laughs> Interesting convo. <laughs> yeah. But wait, ladies. <gasps> oh. Whoa. What? We have a throwback Thursday. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This throwback Thursday update is about my friend Anna, which we read back in July at the beginning of season two. Right. You didn't read along with us. It's Rachel Williams' account of her friendship with Anna Delvey, a wealthy socialite who turns out to be a con artist scamming friends, restaurants, hotels, and other businesses out of lots and lots of money. (laughs) We recently learned that Shonda Rhimes' Netflix series called Inventing Anna will be making its premiere in February. Yeah. It'll tell Anna's story. I know, I'm so excited. Oh, that's awesome. It'll tell Anna's story, played by Julia Garner, who I freaking love, through the eyes of a reporter, played by Anna Schlumsky. Schlumsky? Schlumsky? 
Yeah, sure. Both. I don't know. The series <laughs> isn't based on the book. It's based on the New York Times article, How Anna Delby Tricked New York's Party People. But it will be detailing Anna's many, many schemes, which I sadly found kind of riveting. So if you haven't listened to those episodes, go back and check out episodes 41 through 44 of our podcast. And we will keep you posted on that as we get more details. Fun! Yes! All these series coming out uh, based on books that we've read. I'm so excited. I know. I'm still waiting for the Mexican Gothic one. (laughs) When is that coming? Yeah. (laughs) Well, since we were talking a little bit about family, I want to talk a little bit more about the Corderos because we were introduced and invited to learn a little bit more about Amanda's in-laws, Leslie and Eduardo Cordero. And we also got to learn when she got initial quality time with them, when she went and visited their home, Mick's hometown in Canada. Yeah. And she saw what his family was like. And it seemed like she loved the love that they had for one another. Yeah. Yeah. She mentions a family that valued time together and leaned on one another. Honest conversation and advice, which I also really love. I believe that we might have touched on this before, but I want to dig a little deeper. How soon after you started your relationships with your now husbands did each of you meet your in-laws? I don't think I know this from either of you. And do you remember what that experience was like? Did he give you a glimpse into your future or show you certain ways why your significant other is the way he is? Well... I met Ricardo's mom five months after we started dating when I flew to Italy to visit Ricardo for the first time since meeting him in Italy. So wow. we met, we started like really dating at the very beginning of March and I didn't fly back until August and that's when I met her. And also when I met his brother and his sister-in-law and nephews and their close family friends. Um, unfortunately, Ricardo's dad passed away a few years ago, so mm. my only in-law is my mama-in-law, Yeah, Anna. But it was really cool because I was able to see what a strict upbringing he had with his mom. Like, she yeah. does not play around, and he had always said that, wow. but being able to see it firsthand <laughs> is like, oh, yeah, like, I see what you mean. Like, she does, she takes no prisoners, Wow. Um, Which is why I'm able to really see now why things for Ricardo were so black and white. Right. Uh. And why he's such a clean freak. Like, thank you, Anna, for that. Like, you (laughs) you really learned that from you. Thank you so much. And why he finishes all of his meals plus some. So, you know, it's things that he had told me that he learned from her. But then actually meeting her and seeing it firsthand, you know, it always it always deepens it. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. And now, unfortunately, because she still lives in Italy and and we're here, I don't get to spend that much time with her. And when I do, she doesn't really speak English. And I'm not totally fluent in Italian yet. So our communication is kind of basic. But... What I'm most excited about becoming fluent in Italian is that I can have, like, real conversations with her and, like, get to ask her the things that I want to ask that I don't know really how to yeah, say yet in Italian. Sure. So, like, that I'm really excited for. Aww. What about you, B? 
Um, I don't actually remember how quickly after we started dating, I met Jason's parents. But so they live in California mm-hmm. and they were here in New York visiting. And so we all had dinner together. And they're they're lovely, lovely people. But they are very different from Jason. Jason huh. is a completely different human. They're more serious. Mm. They're very serious people. His dad's a lawyer. And Jason's kind of, I mean, you guys know, he's like a goofball. He's always joking. He's always being kind of silly. He loves to laugh. (laughs) Uh, So he had a really hard time growing up. And it was really interesting for me to watch him interact with them and still maintain such a clear presence of self, even while he's with his parents who Mm. are more serious. I don't know if that makes any sense but like for me I was very much raised to be like a yes a yes man like you do not say no to my mom like my mom is a tough lady and she raises you to be a certain way Mm -hmm. um so to see Jason as the exact opposite like he was a very rebellious kid it was actually kind of inspiring to me (laughs) I was like oh that was an option like I could have done that (laughs) I could do this too yeah I was like oh shit I had no idea that that could be a thing (laughs) wow kudos to Jason yeah for me, I met them. I met my in-laws 17 years ago. That oh, is wild. I don't know why I was 17. thinking like... 17. I don't know why I okay. thought you were going to say, I met them 17 years after we met. Oh, that was, well, <laughs> that's why I gasped like that. I would have been itched by now. But, yeah. but that's a whole adult human practically yeah, that's ago. Yeah. Wow. But I, I do remember that when I initially met them, it was, I think, within a month of us starting a date. It was in October. So it was like, yeah, almost it was a little over 17 years ago. I just saw like the American family that I always saw on in the movies or in TV shows. Aww. Something that I wasn't necessarily accustomed to because they're in Massachusetts, Haverhill, Massachusetts. It was a totally different world. It was kind of yeah. a culture shock for me because mm-hmm. I wasn't really right. accustomed to that. And they're very different than New Yorkers too. So it was the first time me being in Boston. So it's a whole different world. Red Sox mania, like the whole nine yards, <laughs> oh the Boston accent. So that was really interesting. But what was so beautiful about when timing wise of how Andrew and I met and when I got to meet them a week after Andrew and I met he had told me he loved me and that he said that he was leaving for the weekend because his mom's dad had passed away his grandfather Mm. which then I later found out that he was very close to him and Mm. he looked very much like him if you see pictures of his grandfather Narky in the army it's like looking at andrew right now wow Wow. and he then told me later on like when i think this is when we were you know a few minute few years into our relationship that that weekend he had told his parents that he had met a girl so for him to come out and say that obviously meant that there was something you know brewing something special was happening right and then now to present time we ended up naming our daughter after his grandmother, Narky's wife, Mem, whose name is Lorette. So it's just kind of, it also feels like they've been kind of looming over us as angels, like kind of, Mm. I don't know, keeping us safe and creating this, this, and helping us create this beautiful relationship that we do have. So just like it all, it all ties together. Yeah. 
love that. And you hear oh. her right now, don't you? Yeah, hey, girl. Yes. <laughs> I'm convinced you, slip, you slipped her some of our cocktail. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got a silly question. Oh, good. This week, we got Nick and Amanda's beautiful wedding story. Aww. And Amanda tells us about her romper dress, which if you saw the pictures of it, it's pretty cute. Um, it was a romper with this detachable, like, train skirt so that she and Nick could, she could take off the train, basically, and she and Nick could do their dance at their reception. And I just, I, I saw the dress and heard her description of it, and I was like, it just says a lot about her. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It says a lot about what was important to her at that time and important to them. I'm not big into wedding dresses, never have been. But even I had a very specific image of what I wanted to wear for my wedding and what it would say about me. I picked a white sheath dress. We got married at City Hall. And to me, that said, I'm going to get married, but I'm going to do it the way I fucking want to do it. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm curious for the two of you, what did you want your wedding dresses to say about you? Comes in as no surprise that mine was going to be a princess dress. And it was going to be the bigger, the better. Because I was going to be the star of my wedding. <laughs> that's, that's it. With like lots of lace and like all this ornate detail. Like that was like I was looking through magazines and that's exactly what I thought that I wanted. Yeah. But it was so interesting when I started shopping for my wedding dress. The vision of what I wanted was definitely not what I ended up buying and wearing oh. my, during my wedding day. Because it ended up being more simple than anything else. It was more, instead of a princess cut, it was a mermaid cut, more or less. Ah. So the the skirt and the tail was like, the train was the detail of the dress. Ah. Yeah, that that was pretty epic, though. Yeah. (laughs) But again, because we were married in a Catholic church... Like we want, I wanted that train. I wanted that entrance to happen. Right. Like I wanted mm. to make my entrance, and I and I wanted for Andrew to have that moment of seeing his his bride to be a vision yeah. in white. Um, but what I ended up realizing while I I had read your question, B, is that I kind of fit in my Spanish culture, my Latina, you know, esque vibe. By wearing this Spanish veil, mm. which was a very classic Spanish veil. Oh. I still had the tiara to give myself yeah. like the little princess vibe. But I had that was my veil. And then the the ruffles in my skirt was very Latina, very uh-huh. like party slash beachy vibe. Because we got married in the Catholic Church, had a cocktail reception on the beach, and then had the actual reception in a banquet hall. So the dress kind of had to fit work. all those three themes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Work within that. So, yeah, my Latina came out, my party came out, and the, like... Showgirl came out, I guess. Uh, I love that you were able to do all of that with the one dress. Yeah. I was obsessed with my dress. I wish I, oh. one day I could wear it again. Did you all just hear that? Was that it a her fart? poop? That was her poop. <gasps> this is Good staying in the episode. That was, a pretty, that was a pretty raucous fart, though. You've got quite a surprise waiting for you, Maria. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, I'm smelling it right now, so it's Oh, no. Should, maybe we should wrap this up so that you can go take care of that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I wanted something – my answer's quick. I wanted something that I hadn't seen before, something that was different but still a bride. 
but something that said I'm boho and easygoing, and mm. I want to treat this as like an intimate backyard garden party, but with a train that said I'm still a bride with a touch of elegance and flair. <laughs> I essentially just like wanted to look like I was ripped out of an anthropology catalog. <laughs> you did. That's exactly how you looked. Well, I got the dress from Beholden, which is the anthropology bridal line. <laughs> did it just happen again? Mm-hmm. She just she farted again. Go... Do you need to go deal with that? <laughs> well, let's let's wrap it up and because <laughs> once I get going, let's yeah. let mommy go take care of that fun surprise. Okay. Do we have a final question to wrap this up with? Oh, yeah. I have a final question. Oh, get it. Get it, get it. Simply put, what would your version of your wake up song be? Your live your life. Mine is not a song. Jason, if you're listening to this and I'm in a coma and you're trying to wake me up, you play me stand-up comedy albums and you start with Mitch Hedberg's Strategic Grill Locations. That is my wake-up song. (laughs) Yes. Bless you. I think Lauren liked that one, too. Uh, (laughs) I love that. Uh, I really like that. What about you, Mariana? Um... Vivir Mi Vida by Mark Anthony. Oh. oh. Live My Life. It was a very famous Mark Anthony song. It sounds like back. Live My Life. That's yeah, what it it's is. It's Live My Life. Oh my God, that's so funny. That's the exact translation. But it's like, I'm going to laugh, I'm going to dance, I'm going to live my life. And it has like a, a great, like the, the music behind it, The it's so great. The lyrics are fantastic, but just like the actual... Instead of live your life, it's live my life. Yeah, what a crazy parallel to this book. Yeah. What about about you, you, Emma? Mine is Hold My Hand by Jess Glenn. Oh, that's a beautiful song. It's the one where at my bachelorette party, the song came on, and I was like, (gasps) and I I did an entire dance number on the bus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) You did. As soon as I hear that that opening, bump, 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 something happens inside of me. (laughs) (laughs) All right, y'all. Thank you all so much for listening. If you like what you hear, Lorette, give us a five-star review and let us know. Yeah, do it for Lorette. Yeah. (laughs) Lorette Bell, come on. Also, send us a listener question. Is there anything you'd like to know about us? We are an open book. Or better yet, join in on our discussion and answer one of our questions from a previous episode. We might just feature your thoughts during an upcoming Orla de Felicidad. We want to hear yeah. from you. Yeah! Woo-woo! We do! We Next do. week, we'll be reading to the end of Chapter 15. Stay tuned on our Instagram page at Are These Books Drunk to find out what the next cocktail pairing will be so that you can read along and sip along with us. Because it's always happy hour here. Right, Bye, baby Belle. Bye, little cute. Oh, she now you're quiet. Yeah. Now you're quiet? Yeah. Okay. Oh, oh, oh. oh. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Bye, chicas. Bye, Good luck with that diaper. <laughs> Boom 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 bo
Chop, 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 chop,